Hi there, coaches. Brian Blackburn here again with the Pound the Rock podcast. We always want to thank our sponsors through HardwoodTexas.com. Today is part two of our conversation with Coach Danny Henderson as he discusses his experiences as a high school and college coach. Again, thank you for being with us on the Pound the Rock podcast. This is part two of our conversation with Coach Danny Henderson. I think that's an understatement. Uh, a good move. That might be the understatement of the year. Uh, I, I would say that. Uh, so, so in your mind, you were thinking, okay, we're going to be at a place that's straight basketball. I'm going to have my guys year round. I'm going to have a, an assistant coach that'll be with me year round. And so, uh, it, when you took that job and you and you get there and you're going to start building your your program, uh, what were some of the things that uh, I guess went into building your program. I know, I know, style of play, and that changed throughout your time at Peaster. Uh, what, what else came into play there in regards to like player development? I guess. Well, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, by that time in my career, I, I'd been doing it five years, and I was pretty set on um, player development. Like you said, it was a huge part of what, and always has been. You know, we were just going to spend an enormous amount of time on player development and on shooting. Um, at Liberty Hill, one of the great things I had was I had fourth period athletics, and that was on a seven period day. So we had athletics right before uh, lunch. And this is something I've done throughout my coaching career is that, um, you know, from the first day of school until October 20, whatever it is that you start after school practice, during that time, during basketball practice, you know, we, we, uh, we did skill develop, we did individual offense, plus we started putting in our team offense and our, and our team defense. We did all those things, you know, over those months. And then when the first day of after school practice got there, let's say it was October 24th, you know, when that October 24th got there, from that point on during fourth period athletics, we shot every day, uh, during during athletics and then we did all our team stuff after school and my goal was to get every player 300 game shots in athletic period and going game speed well when you start doing the numbers on that you get up into the tens of thousands of shots in fact over a school you you know you can get gosh you can get i, I can't remember the numbers now but it's like 70 80 thousand shots up or something crazy like that mm-hmm. well players are going to get better shooting the ball when you do that so so fourth period athletics was very important to me. And um, when I went to Peaster, they didn't have that. So the, I got that changed after my first year. It took a lot of work with the administration. But, again, I had a supportive administration. Uh, they were willing to make some changes that weren't easy for them, but they got us fourth period athletics and at, at Peaster. It went from seventh to fourth. And when that happened, uh, my second year, our shooting got dramatically better. Um and shooting was a problem when I went there. Uh, we just didn't have any shooting at all. And um, it, it, it changed, and we started scoring the ball and started winning games. And uh, <laughs> so that was that was a big part of it. Yeah, and, and one thing about the shooting that, that you teach, and I still use it too, is, it, you know, it's very uniform. And uh, we have film for it as well, you know. Uh, so we're doing the pizza, the tomahawk, the follow-through, and then we can show them – a, a finished product, whether it's Clay Thompson, who's almost, you know, the perfect form of upper body for, for our example, you know, Clay Thompson, uh, even a Kawhi Leonard, even though his shot's a little flat sometimes, but you look at, you look at the best shooters in the world, 
their form is that pizza tomahawk follow through. And, and one thing I've added is the grip. You know, where are your fingers going to be placed? And we want them, we want them comfortably wide on the on the ball. And so I think given yeah. given those guys, given those guys that, uh, you know, starting you know from third grade up. You know, now they know exactly how everybody in our program is going to shoot the ball. Is that is that something that you kind of prided yourself on at Peaster? Yes, I did. Um, in fact, um, you know, I, I think I think you've got to do bold things as a coach to make big changes. Um, and I, I can I can look back throughout my career, and and when I did bold things, is it was almost always produced positive results and. What I'm talking about here is my first year at Keister, uh was a dismal year. We we were uh, that was the hardest year in coaching I've ever had. We went 14 and 16, and um, you know it. I, you know that was really tough because I I had gotten too cocky, and my five years at, at Liberty Hill, I think we averaged 28 wins a year, and I I really thought that I could take a couple of decent players and three chairs and go win 20 games. You know, <laughs> well. <laughs> I got a rude awakening and I went, we went 14 and 16 and that was a really humbling and really good experience for me. It was hard when it happened, but there were, there were a couple of major problems. One was the players and the community itself just accepted losing. And that was, I knew I had to change that. And then, uh, the other thing was the shooting was just atrocious and we could not shoot the ball. So when the season was over, I told all the guys from seniors, on down, uh, you know, next year seniors on down. I said, okay, I've, I've had enough of this. And you're going to shoot the ball my way or you're getting out of the program, period, end of story. And from that moment on, we didn't do a, a, a single basketball drill. I want to say, if I remember correctly, it was 27 or 28. I think it was 28 because I said a month in my mind. I, and it was 28 straight days of athletic period. We did nothing but form shooting. <laughs> not, not not one not one real shooting drill, not one you know competitive shooting drill. We did, and you talk about get old. I mean, the the players got sick of it, but they were going to shoot my way, and I was going to break habits. And it was a bold move, and I had a couple of players quit. A couple of guys who probably should have helped us the next year. Uh, they were good athletes, and uh, you know, like always, they they came back and asked to come back out there after the season started the next year. And uh, they were both seniors, and I said nope. Not doing it, and uh, you know they made a decision they weren't going to shoot my way. So I, I made a bold move to we're going to shoot the ball my way. So I, you know, and we're going to change this here, and and uh, that was uh, from then on. And you know, from then on, uh, it, it took a little while. Easter became known as a school that can really shoot. You know, I, and you know you've got, the guys have to shoot the ball correctly. But plus, if they shoot the ball your way, then you can play shot doctor for them. Absolutely. You know, because every player is going to go in a slump. Well, if they've got some crazy ass form, you know, I can't help them. I, you know, I can only help them if they shoot it my way. So that was, and, and, you know, we did it from all the way down to, you know, our little camps. We had everybody shooting the same way. And I think that's huge. I think you got to get guys shooting the ball correctly and, and be firm and adamant about it. Yeah. And one thing that I'm, I'm noticing here at Wall with doing this is we have guys that are not very good athletes can help us win basketball games now because they stretch the floor because they can stand in the corner. Mm-hmm. And shoot a and shoot a catch and shoot three point shot, and uh, man, that's been huge. We had a kid this year; he was a B teamer in junior high. He had 102 threes this year on our varsity. Uh, he had over 100 threes. He was averaging over three threes a game, 
and uh, he was a B teamer. I mean, he really can, he cannot run a five flat forty. He is so slow, but uh, man, could he shoot it? And he stretched the defense, and uh, and that's a huge luxury that a lot of teams, especially at the small school, they don't have a lot of guys that can can be really you know fill it up type guys from three point lines. So uh, that was big. That was that's really big. Um, well, now now yeah. go ahead, go ahead, Danny. Uh, yeah, shooting covers up a lot of sin. <laughs> no doubt. Um, well, let's talk about it. I don't remember if it was your first year or second year. Maybe it was down the road, but you had a group that uh, that graduated. And uh, when they graduated, they were watching the younger guys and you know work out and practice. And those older guys were laughing at them, and they were you know because they were so bad. Well, the team that that was working out just kept getting better and better. So why don't you go talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, actually, um, yeah, I'll give you, I went to Peaster in 1993 and we had that bad first year, 14 and 16. And then, uh, we won 25 and then we won 28 and then we won 30 over the next three years, uh, 31 actually. So we, you know, we turned the corner and we were really good. Well, that, that year we won 31, that was in 1997. And, uh, that's, you know, next to my Marcus teams, I, that was the best team I ever coached. But we had our best two players got hurt in the playoffs. And uh, uh, actually two years in a row, one of them got hurt. And then both of them got hurt when they were seniors. And it, uh, I, if any team we ever had should have won a state championship, it was those. I, I thought we should have won a couple. But anyway, those things happened. Had a great run with those guys, and they all graduated. And the group behind, you know, you can survive a bad class. But it's really hard to survive two bad classes in a row, right? As many of us have learned, and I had two bad classes in a row in turn, and not, and and really not just you know we had turned the corner shooting, for example, so they could all shoot, but uh, they weren't, we weren't very athletic, and that, that's okay. We can win without athleticism, but character-wise, I mean, it was just we had a couple bad classes in a row, and anyway, that next year we. It was, character was a, a big problem is 1998 and we still won I want to say we were 24 and 7 something like that and that looks good on paper but um, it was it was a, it was it was I, it might be the worst year I've ever had coaching because they were just the parents weren't supportive the players were selfish the players were the parents were even more selfish it was just kind of a nightmare year you just couldn't enjoy that year you know and um those guys, that's when only two teams got in the playoffs, and we got third. Now, we were in a great district. Like All three of us, the three best teams were in the top ten in the state. But we wound up getting third, and we should have won the district. And one of the teams in our district wound up going to the uh, regional finals. We should, you know, should have been us. But anyway, we didn't because of character issues, and I didn't do a very good job with that. But anyway, the season was over, and that was a big-time underachieving year for the, you know, for what we had established by that time at Easter. And those guys set up on the up above on the where the way the gym was designed it was up on the railing up above and they watched us work out you know because we had to keep them in the athletic period and i found out later they were making fun of the play of the players that were down there working out because that was a really unathletic team coming back and that team coming back was going to be all juniors and sophomores so these were juniors and freshmen down there working out at during the spring uh Going to be sophomores and juniors. Right. And that group was laughing at them, and, and uh, they were, and they they made a lot of snide remarks to them and stuff. And ironically, 
that was in 1999, and that group coming back, they had they they were just average in junior high, but man, they were gym rats. Uh, they were average all the way up. They kind of had to they took a backseat to this group with bad attitudes, you know, and couldn't really uh, assert themselves until it was their time. And man, that in 19 that 99 season was just fantastic, and we wound up winning the state championship. Ironically, with a group <laughs> of guys that you know, and. Uh, we didn't have one guy could even think about dunking a basketball. You know, we didn't we didn't have any speed at all. But they could all shoot. So it goes back to what you said: shooting covers up a lot of sin. They could all shoot. They were really smart. Uh, they wanted to defend. They took pride in their defense, um, and they were they were incredibly close as a team. Um, so those things go a long way. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Now, uh, there's two things I want to talk about before we let you go today. Uh, the first one is uh, talk about your best player uh, from Peaster and how he developed uh, from when you got there. I guess he might have been a fourth grader or fifth grader or sixth grader until what he became. And then and then I want to talk about the role that you had with your assistant coaches at Peaster. So go ahead and talk about okay. uh, your best Peaster player first. Uh, yeah, um, uh, my best Peaster player. Uh, well, I had I had a couple of great ones. That '97 team I had got. Travis Hall that was phenomenal, and he was the one of one of the two that got hurt. Anyway, uh, he he scored thirty one hundred points in his career. But uh, then I had AJ Hill. Uh, when I got to Easter, AJ was in sixth grade, and he was I, I, I had sixth grade PE at the time, and I, he was literally the worst player in the sixth grade class. <laughs> uh, they were like, I, I mean, he was the dead last. Um, and his mom taught English there in the middle school, and she's a great woman. And uh, they had just moved to Peaster as well that same year. So it was his first year to ever be around basketball. And, uh, but, I mean, he was just horrible. He was a pretty big kid. He was one of the biggest in the class. But anyway, um, when I started teaching shooting to those sixth graders that first year, you know, right off the bat, that's the first thing I did with those kids in class. And, you know, we'd do basketball like two or three times a week. And I'd teach them shooting, got them shooting right. Well, I noticed, man, this kid was just dialed in. He did every, he was real mechanical, but he did everything I said. He was still a horrible basketball player. <laughs> like, on, on Fridays, we'd have games and we'd have tournaments and stuff. He was terrible, awful. You know, he like dribbled with two hands when he first got, <laughs> when he first started. But anyway, uh, throughout that sixth grade year, he just got better and better. And, uh, one day I mentioned it to his mom. I, I said, uh, this was like in the spring, because by that time I was trying to teach some skills, you know, crossover dribbles and stuff like that, you know. Anyway, I know I mentioned to his mom, and she said, she said, oh, yeah, she said, he's completely intoxicated with basketball. She said he made them put up a goal behind their house, and they poured a slab for him, and she said, he stays out there every night till dark, every night. And she said, he works on exactly what you teach. And she said, he's, he's just, uh, you know, just like a robot out there doing, uh, you know, and anyway. So I thought, wow, well, this kid may have a chance. Well, then, so seven, by the time we started seventh grade the next year, he was our, uh, probably our fifth best player as a, as a seventh grader. Um, and, uh, he wound up starting and, and, uh, that was quite a move from a kid who was dead last as a sixth grader to starting on the seventh grade A team, you know. He had a good seventh grade year, but he wasn't by any means the best player or anything. Then his eighth grade year, um, he just took off, man. Now his eighth grade year, uh, he started coming, the gym and you know I had the gym open all day long every summer he got a bike and I guess his mom started letting him ride the bike all the way up there he'd ride the, he'd get there in the morning and he would literally stay all day 
and he would do our Super 7 workout, and he would work on his shooting, and then he would stay at night just hoping he got picked by the, the older guys to play. And he got good enough where they started picking him, you know. He'd, he'd be the last pick on the fourth team, you know. <laughs> but he was at I mean, he'd leave, he'd get there in the morning and leave at night. He did it every day, day after day, you know, and his mom had a key to the gym too, because he was a teacher there. And then his eighth grade year, that kid was, he was incredible, man. Uh, he went, he was our best player as an eighth grader. And we wound up, that eighth grade went, was really, really good. And, uh, we wound up taking him to a tournament in Fort Worth with a lot of bigger schools. And, uh, he scored 56 points in a, in an eighth grade game. And that's six minute quarters. I mean, it was, he was just, and he was slowest guy on the team, and he, but he was pretty big, but he was slow, but his skill level was just incredible. Anyway, that was AJ Hill. And on, on that 97 team, I had him on the varsity as a, as a freshman. And, uh, anyway, ironically, he, he made it in the regional finals when we lost, even with our two players hurt, we lost uh, to the state champions in the regional finals. Um, he, uh, he made a huge, huge turnover at the end of the game, and that, that just crushed him. And I felt so bad having a freshman make that mistake. And then, you know, two years later in 99, we're in the state championship game, and we're down three points with 2.1 seconds to go, and he has to go to the line and make three free throws. He got fouled on a three-pointer trying to tie the game up, and he goes to the line and he, he nails all three of them. I remember thinking, oh, God, just don't let this kid, of all kids, don't let this kid miss one of these free throws uh, and have to go through the pain he went through. As a freshman, turning that ball, we made it all three, and we won the state championship in overtime. And then the next year, we won it again. And he—he's one of the all-time great three A players, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Just a, his his work ethic though was it, it just off the charts. It was like Phil Forte's. It was just off the charts. No man, that's awesome, and that's a that's a story that I tell our our uh, young campers uh, here. And and I still have one of the videos of the shooting stuff, and he's got some highlights on there. You doing an an in and out crossover in the state tournament and uh, getting an and one, you know, I mean, just, he just had those moves down and you could tell that he had just repped it until he became great. And uh, those are the best stories. The ones that you motivate them, but then they're self-motivated to do, do, do everything on their own. So. Yeah. Um, those are, those are the fun ones to coach, <laughs> you know, and uh, um, what one thing you, you would, you would talk to me about also, I guess I, for for young coaches that I could share with them that you you'd mentioned uh, uh, in an email when you said we were going to do this thing about uh, changing systems of yeah. play yeah is that something you wanted me to touch on uh, let's uh we can save that for the next one I just want to okay. I just want to uh, have you briefly talk about your assistant coaches at Peaster and how instrumental they were for your success and then once we get to the the next segment we can kind of definitely touch on the uh, changing style of play so let's talk about uh, Darren and, and those assistants that you had while you were a Peaster? Well, uh, you know, um, I'm a big believer that you have to empower your assistants. Big believer. Uh, and that wasn't always easy for me. Um, and I, I really learned the lesson while I was at Peaster. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted everything planned to the minute and I was going to make sure everything got done exactly like I wanted and you know, I, Darren was with me for so long at Peaster, and you know his JV teams would be like twenty-eight and one. You know, so you know year after year stuff like that. He had records like that, so obviously the guy could coach. But yet in varsity practices, you know, I was I was doing almost all the coaching, and 
uh, you know, and, and Darren basically was, yeah, he would he would help kids individually, but you know, I could tell he wasn't into those practices as much as he was the young kids' practice when he was running them, and you know, I, I just I, finally, I, I and I was I was just also I was getting really physically tired because I was I was just had my finger on every phase of the program from top to bottom, and I was working long hours, and, I, and by the end of the season, I was just exhausted and. When I stepped back and I empowered Darren and started giving him real responsibility during practice, where I actually let him plan parts of practice, and I became his assistant, oh, man, he he far exceeded my expectations. And ironically, I was a lot fresher. And also what I found is when he was running segments of practice, I became a teacher who just got to walk around and connect with guys individually. And I, I found that to be really valuable. Uh, you know, I would pull a player off and I would get him on the side and show him exactly what he was doing wrong. When, you know, cause I was, I, as a head coach, I'm such a slave to the practice plan because I run a real, as you know, you know, we're to the minute we, our practice moved 90 miles an hour. Well, often as a head coach, I'm so, I'm, I'm a lot more committed to making that practice move and be enthusiastic than I am uh, taking a play. I just don't have time to take an individual player to the side and teach him. And letting Darren take parts of the practice um, allowed me to do that. And I found it to be incredibly valuable. And we got better as a team in the program when we did that. And, you know, well, we <laughs> – uh, the result was some state championships, uh, and I, I think that was a big part of why we won those. And and I know Darren became a lot more invested with the varsity at that point, and it, it was just good all the way around. And it's you know as head coaches we need to drop our ego and, and let our empower the assistant coach. It, the, the results will be positive. Coaches, thank you again for tuning into the Pound the Rock podcast. Tune in next time for more great content regarding planning, developing, and coaching the game that we love. As always, I would like to thank our sponsors and HardwoodTexas.com, allowing us to get our basketball fix 24-7, 365. Thank you again for listening, and make today a great day.